For those of you who don't know, and for those of you who haven't seen me in the videos and such, my name is Jesse Delk. I have been going to Kingsway for almost two years now. I started going at Kickapalooza two years ago and then got involved with the church, and it has completely changed my life. And I was, uh, I was so fortunate this past month to be able to go uh, to CIY Move down to Texas. It was an incredible trip. Um, the college was great. Just the lessons were great. The worship was incredible. And it was just, it was such a great time. And throughout the whole week that I got to spend with my friends and enjoy community and catchphrase and late nights and just all this crazy madness, I got to, I got to study the book of First John. And I studied it throughout the whole week and I prayed about it throughout the whole week. And this book, if you guys haven't read First John, it is incredible. It is just such a deep book that has one great theme of love but also so many underlying themes with it. I, I ended up reading the book like five times during the trip and just fell in love with it. And I am so, so excited to share with you today about some of the stuff that I've learned and just a, a little piece of what God's been uh, speaking to me. And uh, if you guys don't know anything about First John, it is actually a letter. And it's written by a guy named John, obviously. And he is writing to the younger generation. He's writing to the next generation of the church. John is an old man at this point, and he's trying to leave a legacy. And he teaches this younger generation of church how to love. And he uses so many different illustrations in this short book. It is incredible. It is so rich with just so many things. And um, I don't plan to, to come up here and talk forever. Um, I actually really just want to jump right into the book. And the verse we're going to be starting with today is in the second chapter. It is 1 John chapter 9, verse, or chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. And it reads, If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. This verse in 1 John, in a lot of the ways, is just kind of the center. It touches on a little bit of everything that John's talking about. And this verse, it's huge, even though it's short, but it's huge, you know. So just to kind of break it down, is he's, he's obviously saying it's impossible to live in the light and hate a fellow believer. That's pretty simple. And he's also saying that if anyone claims that they're living in the light, but they don't act on it, they're actually doing the opposite, and that these people have been blinded by the darkness. Now, when John says this and he speaks this, at, at first, first time reading this, you think, wow, like John is, John's making it sound very difficult to live in the light. He's, he's making it sound nearly impossible because, because people can be mean. People can be difficult, and, and there's times where people really hurt your feelings, and it's, and what, what John is saying, let me, actually, let me actually use a story. I think this will illustrate it better. Uh, so anyone who knows me, my, my friends or my family, you guys probably know I'm a terrible driver. I'm literally an awful driver, and it was, this was one morning, oh, I can't believe I'm telling this, I'm such a bad driver. <laughs> this was one morning, and I, I'd woken up, I'd stayed up late, just not being smart, not preparing for school. I'd gotten up this morning just so tired. And I remember getting ready, just getting in the shower, just so tired. And, and I got out to the truck, and I'm driving, and I get 
to the first stop sign outside of my house. And, you know, I look, I look to my right, there's nobody there. And I look to my left, and there's nobody there. So I pull out thinking it's okay. And, of course, there's a lady in a, in a red truck right there. Red truck. I'm driving the red truck. She's driving the red car. Lady in the red car is right there, hits the horn. Immediately, I'm just like, oh. I feel so bad. I just felt so guilty. And she just gave me the nastiest look. And, and I'm driving just like, oh my gosh, like I'm waving my hand. I'm so sorry. Like I didn't mean to pull out in front of you. And we get, we get to the next stop sign. And I, I turn around and she just gives me the nastiest look. And she, she actually even was kind enough to give me a gesture to show how much she cared about me. I didn't really appreciate that. But <laughs> you know, actually, it's a small town. If she's in here, um, see me after service and I'll pray for you. That would actually... <laughs> um, so how this story of me pulling out in front of a lady and her being mean relates to my verse here. So what John is saying in this verse is he's not saying everyone has to be perfect. He's, he's saying that walking with God is a pursuit. Not, it's not about perfection. It's about pursuit. And it's about realizing that there are times, there's times where you pull out in front of people and there's times where you wrong people and there's times where you lie to people and, and there's times where you hurt people's feelings and what, it, what it's about is it's about, it's about realizing it's a walk, not a destination. And it's realizing it's not the things that happen to you that define you. It's, it's your response to the things that happen to you. Like, what if she would have given, given me a different gesture or a smile? But it's, a, it's about your response. But an important thing to think about is it's also about realizing that there's times where you pull out in front of people, too. And there's times where sometimes you mess up. And there's, there's times where people pull out in front of you. There's times where you pull out in front of people. And we're all just kind of hurting each other. And it's not about being perfect. It's, a, it's about pursuit. One thing, one thing that I learned very early in my walk, and, and this is what we're going to be talking about today. This is, this is the, the core of what we're going to be talking about today is, is that being transparent is always more powerful than pretending. Being transparent is always more powerful than pretending. I find myself pretending a lot, and it, and it's, it does nothing. Being transparent is more powerful than pretending everything's okay. And being transparent is so much better than pretending that you're someone else. And being transparent is so much more powerful than pretending you're right. And sometimes you don't even notice you're pretending. You'll get with that one group of friends and you'll turn into somebody else or you'll get around that one person or you'll get reminded of that one thing and then you find yourself pretending. Happens to me. I pretend. And believe me, it, it doesn't work. And I, I think it's a little side preach here. One of, the, one of the best things in my life that I've done to, to stop myself from pretending and st to stop myself from creating these, these walls to hide behind is I actually got off social media. And I've been off since September, and it has been one of the best things that I've ever done. And if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend you at least try it, because I find myself seeing other people pretend, and I'm just like, man, if these people could just be transparent, how much closer we could grow together? Like, how are we more connected than ever, but also further apart than ever? See what I'm saying? But what, what pretending will do, and what pretending seems to do, is it, is it creates false shelter for us to hide behind so that nobody has to know what's going on in our heart, and nobody has to see what's going on in our world. And, and that's what's amazing about 1 John. This book is incredible, and it does this so well. First, in, in 1 John, 
John will use language and he'll use these verses to peel back the layers of false protection that we give ourselves, layer by layer. Because John doesn't care about the fake us, the pretending, the Instagram us. He wants to see, he wants to see deeper. He wants to see into the true us. I've got, a, I've got a story from Mark. And this story just talks about the heart. And I'm not going to read it word for word. That's why I didn't put it up on the, on the screen. But I am going to give you kind of the, the down on what's going on. So Jesus and the disciples are walking down the street. And they're, they're just leaving a city. And there's a giant crowd. They all want to talk to Jesus. And the disciples are following him. And there's, there's one particular blind man named Bartimaeus. Who is, he's screaming, he's a son of David, have mercy on me. He's blind, he's a, he's a blind beggar. And the disciples, they tell him, they tell him, be quiet, dude. Like, don't talk now, like, it's Jesus. And um, I'm going to start reading the scripture now. See, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. And this is what Jesus asked him. He says, one sentence, he says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And then Jesus heals him. And the significance, and what we're going to be talking about from this verse, is that question that Jesus asked Bartimaeus. He says, what do you want me to do for you? To put this into reality, just think for a second. You're in your living room. And Jesus is next to you. And he asks you, what do you want me to do for you? Oh my gosh. I would have no idea what to say. I, I don't know. Tons. This, this question, what do you want me to do for you, it exposes the motives completely when you put it into that perspective. And it, it, this, question, this question was easy for Bartimaeus. He had an easy answer. He wanted to be healed from his blindness. That's the whole point. That's why he was yelling. But how easy is this question what do you want me to do for you when you're not physically blind, but you're blinded by the darkness? See, this question was so easy for him. And, and there's two ways that we can, we can digest and, and we can look at this question of, of basically what do you want? We can look at it from, we can look from the world's view, the world's filter, or God's filter. John acknowledges this, and he, and he understands that there, there's two ways to look at your motives. And he, he actually talks about that in chapter 2, verse 15. So I'm going to read that. It reads, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure and a craving for everything we see. A pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what God pleases will live forever. The world says we need so many different things. The world says we need money. It says we need acceptance. It says we need friends. You need a great job. It says you, you, says you need all these physical things. But, but God comes in and he says, no, no. It's so much simpler than that. And, and before I explain that, I'm actually going to go ahead and read another verse. Because it's a pretty safe bet when you're speaking to go to the Bible. So it's chapter 3, verse 18 through 20. This is kind of our verse of the day. This is the verse that I want you guys to be thinking about here. It says, Dear children, 
Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. This big question, this big question of what do we want, we answer it every day. We answer it every day with our actions. Example, if you're hungry, you'll go get food and you'll eat. If you're thirsty, you'll get water and you drink. And if you're tired, you'll go to bed and you sleep. You see how what you want correlates to your actions. See, the significance of this is if you want to live in the light, then what do you do? You love. That's simple. But what John says is you don't just say that you love. You don't just speak it. You live it. Like if you're really tired, you don't just say, I'm going to go to sleep, and then don't sleep. That doesn't make any sense. You'll sleep if you're tired, and if you want to live in the light, then you'll show the love through your actions. So what's John saying the answer to this question is, of what do we want? I believe, after reading 1 John a lot, it is, it's a call to action. It is. It's a call to action to live like Jesus. That's the, that's the initial message. But above being a call to action, it's more. It's more than being a call to action. It's a call to a change of heart. And that's, that's really simple because when your heart changes, your actions, they'll follow. You don't need to change your actions, you need to change your heart because then your actions will follow. I kind of got another story. This is totally not my original story. Totally a Trevor story that I'm stealing. You maybe maybe you've heard it before. It's, there's a father, and he's he's talking he's talking to his two kids, and he says he says, "Boys, I, I need you guys to clean your room." And one of the the first son he says, "It's okay, Dad. I'll clean my room, no problem." Then the, then the second son gets angry. He says, "No way. Like I'm not cleaning my room. No way. I like this son. He's more like me. He doesn't want to clean his room." And and the, the father the father lets the kids go. And the son that said he was going to clean his room, he just sits around. He doesn't clean his room. He doesn't feel like it. He wants to play video games. He wants to do whatever. But the son, who was angry, contemplated it. He thought, and he was, well, maybe I should clean my room. And he cleans his room. And the father comes back. And which son do you think he's more happy with? The son that said he was going to clean his room, or the son who didn't say he was going to clean his room and did it. You see... He's more happy with the one with the change of heart. He's happy with the doer, not the sayer. That's my prayer for you today. Which one do you want to be? You want to be the doer or the sayer? The sayer does nothing. The sayer's a pretender. You want to be the doer. You want to be the one who does the actions. I actually have this phrase. It's the phrase that I want you to be thinking about this week. And it reads, it's my, my phrase, not from the Bible, but it's, God, give me your heart. Give me your kindness. Let your love take over my life and let my actions reflect your love. This phrase maybe something you need to say when someone pulls out in front of you or somebody, somebody says that one thing to you. Maybe this is the phrase you need. A change of heart. A change of heart's not easy. That's incredibly difficult. 
I was talking, I was having a conversation with Trevor and he was explaining it like having a change of heart is literally taking the thing inside of you that keeps you alive and replacing it with something new. That's terrifying. That is like, you think about real heart surgery. That's what it, the change of heart's the same way. It's painful. It's scary. But is God worth it? Is that what you want? Kind of paint the picture here. What if everyone did this? What if everyone lived in transparency and in God's love? How would our world look different? If everyone in the world changed and lived through God's love and transparency, how would it be different to just go to the store? How would it be different to turn on the news? What if just a church full of people had this change of heart that we're talking about? How would our community look different? How would our high school look different? How would our families look different? What if just one person in this room, sounds like a small amount, it took one senior in, in my freshman Excel class to change my life. That's all it takes is one person. It takes the kind actions of one person. You don't need to, to shove the Bible down people's throat and scare them. What you need to do is show the love through your actions. I was in, I was in, the, I was in the mall the other day, and I was in the, I was in the handicap stall. Sorry, sorry, Jesus. And to my left was, was, a, was a flyer that they were handing out in the mall. And it said, it said the burning hell. And it was, this, it was this pamphlet about hell. And it was trying to scare people into becoming Christians. And that just felt so twisted to me. I just couldn't wrap my mind around that, how, how God, we see God through other people. How are we trying to scare people into becoming Christians if they haven't, they haven't even seen God? They don't even know God's love. There's a, there's a verse in 1 John that emphasizes this idea of, of loving others. And it's, it's the last verse of the day, so bear with me. It's chapter 4, verse 9, and it reads, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. People see God not through this pamphlet, they see God through the kind actions of each other. What can you do for the people in your life to show them God through your actions, through your heart, not your words, not your flyers, through, through your actions, through the kind actions that we have? I, I think what John's trying to say here is that seeing is believing. We can all agree that. You see something, you believe it. Seeing is believing, and we got to be showers. We got to be we got to be doers and showers, not sayers, so that we can show people the love of God through our actions. So, what's the first step? What what can we do in our life to take the first step and to change a heart? Maybe you need to rekindle a lost prayer life. 
Maybe you need to think about that phrase. That phrase we had up. It's on the handout. God, give me a change of heart. Maybe you need to focus on your actions. Maybe you just really need to be cognizant of your actions. Maybe you need to have a conversation with someone. Someone that has either pulled out in front of you or you've pulled out in front of them. Maybe it just starts there. There are times, there's times where but we all kind of feel like Bartimaeus. We feel blinded by the darkness, like John's saying. But God's love and God's transparency is always more powerful. Let me pray for you.